Sunrift Adventures and Historic Travelers Rest South Carolina has been outfitting the foothills for over 37 years with the best boats, bikes, tents, and more. With great brands, Sunrift has you covered for every adventure. Stop into Sunrift Adventures' unique outdoor shop and say hello today. Go to sunrift.com for more information. That's sunrift.com. Nature's Edge is brought to you by the Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina, Western North Carolina's only magazine dedicated to the fishing enthusiast. Pick one up at over 400 locations throughout Western North Carolina or visit them online at theanglermagazine.com to find out more. And be sure to follow them on Facebook, Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina. Programming support for Nature's Edge comes from the Native Watercraft, locally made fishing kayaks designed for Carolina waters and beyond. Models featuring the hands-free Propel Pedal Drive system, the new Slayer 12XC, perfect for fishing the French Broad, as well as a full range of kayak fishing accessories can be purchased at the Native Watercraft Factory Store at 210 Old Airport Road in Fletcher, North Carolina. Again, that is 210 Old Airport Road in Fletcher. For more details, Google Native Watercraft Factory Store. Hey guys, Dale Stewart here. Nature's Edge is on the air. We got a kind of a special guest today. He's a friend of mine, and uh, uh, Richard Weist is the uh, president of the Explorers Club. He's host of uh, the adventure program called Born to Explore with Richard Weist, which is on the, uh, I believe it's on American Public Television uh, stations. And uh, Richard's quite a guy. He uh, climbed Kilimanjaro when he was about 11 years old. He circled the globe, uh, capturing stunning images and living one adventure after another. He's traveled with Bedouins in Africa, and he skied to the North Pole. As a respected field scientist in 2002, Richard became the youngest man to become president of the Explorers Club, and he believes the most memorial uh, aspect of any journey is not the summit, but the people you meet along the way. Uh, after he was elected uh, the first time, he took some time off and was re-elected President of Explorers Club. Richard, welcome to Nature's Edge. Yeah, thank you very much, Dale. Uh, you know, the, the great adventure that I had this morning was I dropped my kids off at school at their bus stops, which were about a half mile from my house. Yeah, I guess I guess you and your wife are happy school's back, huh? I, I'm very happy school's back because I feel like all summer uh, between... Uh, work and trying to entertain kids uh it's good good for us to have a free portion of our day when we're at home in connecticut yeah i know that look for my listeners that might not know uh, give us a brief rundown what is the explorers club so the explorers club is an organization that was started in 1904 by at that time a bunch of guys trying to be the first uh persons to the north pole and since then, our members have been the first to the North Pole, first to the South Pole, first to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, first on top of Mount Everest, and the first to walk on the moon. And so we're in our 115th year, and uh, you have diverse scientists that go from Jane Goodall to astronauts to paleontologists, archaeologists, uh, most of the field sciences. Yeah, it, it's an amazing group of people, and it's an amazing organization. I wanted to ask you a little bit, too. I mentioned that, uh, of course, Born to Explore with Richard Weiss, and it's on um, uh, public television now, your show? Yep, it's on PBS. So we were on ABC for five years. Yeah. The last three years, we've been on PBS. And, um, you know, the show, uh, 
pillars to it. It's a, uh, a celebration of good stewardship of our earth and the animals on it. And the other thing is about uh, cultural, bridging cultural gaps. So we film uh, internationally in a lot of uh, third world communities or maybe communities of different religious faiths than we are. And it's been real rewarding, um, you know, not only professionally, but I feel like I've seen the world in a way most people do not. Oh, I know. That's one of the great things that, uh, you know, that I love about uh, exploring and, and traveling. And, and certainly I agree with you when you, you talk about the, uh, you know, the journey is not the, the summit or the journey. It's, it, it really is the people and the cultures you meet along the way. Yeah, and I find that, you know, as I become older and probably have less testosterone in me, that it's not so much about me, you know, being the first to the summit or beating, you know, my chest. It's really about uh, so many interesting people along in the world that you meet, that you stop, you hear their stories. And um, I think uh, the human race is an an amazing uh, group of people. Oh, I, I could not agree uh, agree with you more, Richard. What um, I know, some of my guests are, are, are. I always ask them, sort of, what motivates them to do what they do. Sort of, what's motivated you to to be an explorer? You know, Dale. I think it's similar to you. You know, you walk outside and you're just curious about so many things. And I think the tradition of the explorer is is really a tradition that started as soon as people came out of trees or out of caves. And there was always somebody who looked across the horizon or the bottom of a lake or, you know, a, a, a mountaintop and just wondered what was there. Yeah. And so I think the idea of curiosity is just something very innately um, uh, within, it, within humans to different degrees. And I think that, um, you know, I'll give you an example. I, I live near New York City, and so every time I go into Grand Central Station, which half a million people go through every day uh, i look for fossils that i see in the floor and the walls sure and so it's i think the explorer mentality and again i know you identify with this is just looking at things a little differently oh i couldn't agree more uh, uh with you and uh let me ask you what who were uh, who were some of your role models uh, i mean other than uh i might add uh, richard we senior uh Richard's dad was the first to uh, pilot solo across the Pacific, so I'm sure he had some influence on your wanderlust. But who else is out there? Well, you know, I, my my dad, you're right, uh, is still an influence on me. He, um, you know, is 90 years old, and you know, my fondest memories were standing on our front lawn, just looking at stars and, and talking about celestial navigation. I have another role model, um, my uh, uncle my mother's brother, who is the head of MIT's nuclear physics department, and yeah. he, um, you know, helped fuel some of my curiosity about science. And then I was fortunate enough to grow up during the space program to where, you know, the Neil Armstrongs and the Buzz Aldrins, all those kind of guys were doing their thing. And I think that uh, I, I remember growing up just thinking how cool these guys were. And, and you know, a slight irony, I never thought I'd be sitting in the same car or at a dinner table with them, and I find that one of the incredible uh, aspects of the Explorers Club that have actually met Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and Jim sure. Goodall and Sir Edmund Hillary, and so 
Um, I, I've been fortunate enough to meet these heroes, and they, they say you shouldn't meet your heroes, but, man, I, I have yet to be disappointed by any of these people. Oh, I, I totally agree with you, and uh, we lost uh, not long ago uh, a hero of mine out of yours, uh, Jim Fowler, and, uh, of course, um, uh, he was one of the, one of the ones that uh, really uh, motivated me when I used to watch Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Yeah, so Jim Fowler um, not only lived close to me in Connecticut, yeah. he was my honorary president of the Explorers Club. So, you know, I got to know him and his family quite well, and, you know, was, uh, I would speak to him every couple weeks. And, you know, Jim Jim was the, the sort of, we used to call him the bull elephant, yeah. you know, the alpha male in the room. Jim always had great stories. He, he was... Um, a terrific guy. One of the things I admire most about uh, Jim Fowler was he was, to, to me, a movie star when he was um, younger. Absolutely. Anybody who's sort of under, I guess, 50 years old, over 50 years old, just remember, I mean, he was just a giant celebrity. But the guy was so humble and, and, and really liked people. And, and I remember uh, last year, uh, you know, he really wasn't, starting not to do so well i took uh him and his wife fishing and you know he was from georgia yeah and the old georgia schoolboy came out and him every time he hooked into a fish and they weren't big fish but you know it was just such a pleasure to see that you know at that time it was 88 yeah. him just getting a kick out of the outdoors as much as when he was seven or 17 or or 88 when uh we went fishing so what a terrific guy, and, and truly the world was a better place for having him in it. Oh, there, there's no doubt, and and uh, I got to meet Jim several years ago, and I mean, it was just, it was one of those, I've met, like you, I've met a lot of people, and, and uh, but it was I, it was one of those moments when I was almost tongue-tied just to, just to be able to shake his hand. Well, you know, it was, it was also interesting in the world of sort of the outdoors, he was a guy who could sit there with a bunch of hunters or fishermen, and they would revere him. And then the next night he could go to a really hardcore conservation dinner, and people liked him as much. So he seemed to really bridge a gap um, in the outdoors that many people can't. He was well-respected in all corners. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think he's a, a great role model and, and uh, some someone that uh, I've certainly uh, uh, tried to mimic uh as i go through this natural world and and i know many others uh do as well uh and his son mark is certainly carrying on the torch <laughs> yeah so mark i feel like i'm in the big brother role. Uh, yeah so every time i i feel like uh he's not living up to his dad i give him a little bit of a a kick in the uh, rear end to get him going so he's got big shoes to fill literally. yeah yeah that he does let me ask you a question that i get asked frequently is there still need for exploration? Yeah, I mean, more than ever. It's funny, I'm writing an article today for the Explorers Club Journal, and it's in celebration of conservation. And I think that it's been such a big year in the world of conservation that more and more scientists and explorers and outdoorsmen and, and uh, uh, wildlife experts, everybody's looking for ways in which we can sort of save the planet, uh, make it a better place for um, nature and for humans to live on. And I think a lot of efforts are, are in that area. I think 
you know, science and exploration is what created humanity. It was it was science that created the first farms several thousand years ago and taught people uh, sanitation and all those other things. So, you know, while I, I think sometimes science gets a bad name of creating bad things or weapons, I think of, of so many wonderful things that uh, it's created. And so I, I would ask people to celebrate uh, science, accomplishments, and look at it as a tool to make the world a better place. Oh, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, and that's 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 an excellent answer, and that's similar to what I tell people. You know, I, I was actually uh, speaking at a conservation group uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, down in Atlanta, Georgia, and and uh, I and a number of particularly younger people said, "Well, Dale, what's left to explore?" And I said, "Well, if you've never been there, no, no, that, <laughs> that that question drives me crazy." Oh, I know. One question, absolutely. You know it's coming. Yep. You know it's coming, and you say, "Hey, look it up at the stars," you know, my friend, because. There is a big universe up there that will never be fully explored or understood. That's it. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think people sometimes are short-sighted in, in what they look at uh, when it becomes uh, uh, to exploring. And uh, but it it's it always amazes me. And I and like you, I know that question is coming. Um, what's some of your passions, Richard? Well, you know, I mean. First and foremost would be my family and my kids. Sure. Um, I really enjoy being a father. But um, that being said, I really uh, am enjoying, you know, sort of the authentic culture that you, you can still find in this world. I'm sitting here um, actually in the sound booth of Born to Explore. I have some pictures on the wall, and I'm looking at a picture of me sitting with the Batwa Pygmies. And these are... Um, the people who used to live among the mountain gorillas in Uganda. Yes. Looking at another picture uh, with a rhino tracker in Africa, another picture in Cyprus. And so I think that, um, you know, people talk about reality shows. I think that there are so many great realities that are occurring all the time in the world, whether it be a great whale migration or uh, indigenous people doing interesting things. I think that... Um, I feel lucky that I, I'm in a position where I can continue to learn. I really like learning about new things. So I think even to some degree the Internet made me smarter because if I look at a tree or a cloud or something I don't understand, I quickly look it up and, and I feel like it's enhanced my experience. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I sort of think there, that those of us that have been fortunate enough to explore and live with other cultures and, and visit other continents and... and uh, do the things that we've done. I also think it's important that we come back and share that knowledge. Well, you are a prime example of this, Dale. You are the Pied Piper of the shared experience. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. that <laughs> you know, we we try, and that's one of the things that I, I really believe strongly in. And as you know, I've lived with indigenous tribes on six different continents and spent a lot of time, like you, out there in the middle of nowhere. And, and I do think it's important to come back and and talk about those experiences and talk about those different cultures and the similarities and the differences that uh, that we see out there and, and let people ask us questions and uh, and hopefully motivate them to, to be a, a seeker of knowledge. So I've been a little discouraged about, in America, it seems that a lot of the conservation uh, issues have really now started falling on party lines. Yes. Where uh, people are identifying 
Um, you know, for example, under Richard Nixon, maybe not a popular president, he, he was the first guy to pass the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act. Correct. Um, and, and so, and Theodore Roosevelt was a Republican. So I, I find that um, there have been great conservationists and uh, people who've really been, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, good stewards of the land. Uh, through both parties, and I, and I think right, for some reason today people are picking it as a sort of political issue and not a, a we issue. Yeah, and that, that, you know, in my mind, and I know in yours, I, it's, it's sad to see that. And, and again, a lot of times, even questions that I get asked a lot of times and, and everything else seem to follow those political uh, uh, roadmaps, and, and I think it's sad that it's, it's come to that. You know, it's interesting because you, you're in um, South Carolina, and so you have... I didn't grow up where I... Uh, where I grew up was not a hunting culture. Yeah. So the, the lens that I would look at, mm-hmm. at hunting, for example, would be different maybe than somebody who grew up in South Carolina where that was something that you did with your dad or your grandfather. And um, I find that kind of an interesting discussion, Um because I, I think it's not as black and white as the media would portray it. Oh, absolutely not. And of course, I did grow up in a, in a, in a hunting and fishing and outdoor culture. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, we all look at the world and we look at things that we see, you know, through these, through these uh, glasses that we all wear based on, you know, where, how we grew up, our education, uh, you know, our friends, everything else. Um, so, so we do have this sort of built-in I don't want to call it a prejudice, but sort of a built-in uh, background uh, in the way that we do uh, look at things. And I think one of the things that helped me overcome some of that was being an explorer and traveling out there and, and being lucky enough to travel around the world, uh, as you have, and really listen to other to other people and see sort of see their opinion on what's going on uh, on a day-to-day uh, basis. Oh, I, I've been to plenty of places, whether I, I just came back from China, and the people from China don't hate America. They no. don't hate America at all. These people I've met, and, you know, they're not robots, and they, um, you know, they have families. They go out for family dinners. They, they're extremely entrepreneurial <laughs> in that country. Yeah. So, you know, when you go there, you, you get a, just a different feeling, or I've been to a lot of uh countries morocco or turkey or india where the cultures are so different but i I find so many commonalities in terms of uh family wanting to get ahead safe environment uh for their families so i find that there are certain languages that are unspoken like uh, food and art and music and dance that everybody celebrates and everybody enjoys Oh, absolutely. I, I can remember the first time I went to Russia, which was back uh, in the uh, in the mid '80s. And uh, you know, I came back from Russia, of course, growing up in the in the Cold War era. And, but I came yeah, back sure. from I came back from Russia because I had had time to spend a lot of time with the Russian people, and even in some outdoor in, environments and everything else. And I I came back, and I remember telling my wife, you know, they're just like us in so many ways. They, you know, they. They love their families. They 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 go to work. They they want the best that they can that they can possibly have for themselves and for their families, and uh, you know it, it was it was a great experience. And and I think uh, sometimes we forget that it's it's not it's not the people, it's the politics. 
Well, th- this is why, you know, radio shows like yours are so important. I think you do a really good job of sort of pointing that out. So congratulations on that. Thank you. I, I did want to, we've got, we've got two or three minutes left here. I did want what's, to, um, what's one of the, some uh, conclusions that you've really drawn from your years of exploration, Richard? Well, you, you know, I think it's, it's exploration and also getting older. I, I think that, um, you know, if I, I think I, I should hope that all humans want to evolve personally. And I think that um, I've become less concerned with doing certain things uh, in a definitive way. And that if somebody is happy howling at the moon, then so be it. Let them howl at the moon. And if somebody wants to run around with grass skirts or somebody wants to sit upside down on their head and, and it makes them happy, you know. It's okay. You know, <laughs> do it. Yeah, yeah, as long as you're not hurting anybody. And I think that uh, in exploration, I, I just find that, um, you know, that the more you do things in a local kind of way, if I'm going to South Carolina, I'm not looking for a guy from New York to show me South Carolina. I'm looking for someone from there. Yeah. And in fact, uh, two of our shooters, our show, I don't know if you know, is partially edited out of South Carolina, out of Charleston. I did know that. And, uh, and, and our shooters are from there, so... You know, I get down there and I, I get some southern hospitality every once in a while. And, you know, I've gone to oyster roasts down there and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I love it. Yep. Well, next time you get in there, give me a call. Uh, you know, I keep a sailboat in Charleston, so uh, we might could just go out and uh, get away from it all for a little while. Yeah, that would be terrific. Uh, we're about out of time, but I, wanted, I did want to ask you one question that I get asked. Do you have a favorite place? You know, it's different categories, but if I had to say one place that sort of made my boat float, sort of, I'd say Morocco. Yeah. I think that it's like, uh, it's so exotic, it's pro-Western, it's easy to get to from uh, New York where I fly out of, and I, I just find it's like an onion. You just keep peeling back layers. So that's that's one of my favorite places to go. I agree with you. This is Dale Stewart. You have been listening to Nature's Edge, and uh, we've had our guest Richard Weiss on. And, Richard, uh, again, thank you, my friend, for joining us. And until next time, run wild, run free, my friends. Visit naturesedgemedia.com. You can check out podcasts, videos, lecture archives from Dale, and much more. Thank you for listening to Nature's Edge with Dale Stewart, brought to you by Angler Magazine of Western North Carolina.